Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse with two women who can't remember anything. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. Doug here with the credits for Warehouse 13 webisodes of Monsters and Men, series created by Jane Espenson and D. Brent Mote, episodes 1 through 3 and 8 through 10, written by Derek A. Hughes and Benjamin Robb, episodes 4 and 5, written by Ian D. Maddox, and episodes 6 and 7, written by John Paul Nickel, directed by Michael McMurray, animation director Andrew Seckler, and original publishing date was May 2011. So we're back with the first webisode series from Warehouse 13 of Monsters and Men. The artifacts of the week are Frederick Wortham's Spinnerack, transformed by Wortham's hatred for comic books. The sign on top of the spinning rack acts as a battery for it, causing the rack to suck in anyone or anything around it into any comic book provided someone tried to read one near it. If the victims do not find a way to escape the comic book in time, they'll be trapped in the comic book forever. And then we have Frank Mercer's lighter. It can suck the souls of any living creatures when flicked open. Created by Frank Mercer, who was actually the guy in the episode, during his three-year imprisonment during World War II by his intense experiences and emotions. The artifacts of the week were from Warehouse Wiki. So I'd never seen these, but I've heard that these webisodes were were just big commercials. Yeah, I've never seen this. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. So I don't know about the other one, but this Mm. one did start and finish as a commercial for the Prius. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Okay. But the regular episodes of the series went over the top on product placement and commercials, mostly for the Prius. And I remember talking about that. So this wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, commercial-wise. You know, Eureka did product placement, too. But Joe would say, look at my new car. It's whatever the name of the car is. And that kind of would be it. Warehouse just went over the top with the commercials in the episodes. It bothered me. And I remember talking about it before. So this was released on the Sci-Fi website. These were never released on TV. These were just on the website in May of 2011, which means this web series would fall between season two and the beginning of season three when Steve arrived. We start with Artie pulling up to the warehouse in a red car. And after a full minute of car commercial, they finally begin to unload what they brought back with them. And as they're unloading, we go back to more car commercial. They unload a comic book rack with a sign and boxes of comic books. It sounds like the stuff once belonged to some author. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but apparently it's Frederick Wortham, who believed comics were the work of the devil. The particular comics that they have in the car inspired his push for censorship. Artie doesn't finish explaining what the rack can do. And Artie asks Pete to help Claudia bring the stuff in, and Artie goes inside the warehouse. Pete, of course, immediately grabs a comic, The City of Ghouls, and begins to read it. And then he spins the empty rack as he walks by. There's nothing different about this. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. It's a Pete thing. Yeah. So Pete being Pete, of course, touches everything and does everything necessary to get the artifact working. Inside, Artie and Lena discuss the reinforced purple box that Claudia made to hold the comic and the 193 neutralizer bags for the individual books. So Pete discovers that Claudia has a fear of monsters when she reacts to the comic he's reading. Artie comes out to see the rack spinning and Pete reading and yells for him to stop, but it's too late. They, along with the car, get sucked into the comic book. So nothing is left outside of the warehouse but the scattered comics and the rack. Lena comes outside with the purple box and sees the rack and the comics scattered about, but doesn't wonder where Artie or the car is. And she just goes back inside. So at first she looked confused, but later on, she doesn't seem to even realize they're missing when we see her later. Yeah, she does So Pete, Claudia, and Artie wake up inside the comic book in what looks like a diner. Later I found out it's a drugstore. Oh, 
the song, please tell the drumline in my head to take five. Ow! Only four colors, Batman. We're in print! This is awesome! Pete and Claudia are into being comic characters. They're really into it. They're trying to form thought bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) But Artie isn't having any of it. They have bigger problems, he says. Artie says that it was the doctor's hatred of comics that turned the rack into an artifact. Is this why old Doc Wortham was all, grrr, comics mad? Kids were literally being sucked into them? Don't be absurd. It was his hatred of comics that turned an innocent magazine spinner rack into a dangerous artifact. And now... Because Pete couldn't keep his hands to himself. We're trapped in Dr. Frederick Wortham's worst nightmare. Okay, A, I am a naturally tactile person. And B, if there's a way in, there's got to be a way out, right? So Artie's in the middle of blaming Pete when they hear a car crash. Pete goes running towards the crash. Artie yells at him for not following protocol. And Claudia has a snarky Star Trek Prime Directive comment, ending with the Mr. Spock line fascinating, which I thought was funny. (laughs) I know you're not a Star Trek fan. Yeah. We have protocols, protocols for dealing with denizens of pocket dimensions. What, like a warehouse version of the Prime Directive? Fascinating. So Pete wants to get a doctor for the guy he pulled out of the car, but Artie argues that he's just a character, and they have to concentrate on editing themselves out of the story. The accident victim warns them to leave and save themselves while they still can, and he runs away. So just as he runs off, the green monster from the cover of the comic appears, and he doesn't look friendly. Claudia realizes what comic book they're in, and Pete shoots the monster with the Tesla. Artie believes he can use the Farnsworth to contact Lena on the outside, but Artie doesn't get to finish searching for the correct frequency when the monster wakes up, throws a manhole cover at them, grabs Claudia, and takes her with him down the manhole. Artie stays above ground while Pete goes down the manhole to look for Claudia. Claudia wakes up in a straitjacket in a sanitarium. And all I could think of was the episode where they got sucked into the video game where her fear was the sanitarium. Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. And she was tied down to a gurney for shock treatments. Plus the fact Mm -hmm. that she was in a psych hospital at one time. They really seem to play off the subject with this character. Like, that's her greatest fear. I get that. Meanwhile, Pete is wandering around the sewers. He finds quite a few dead monsters floating in the sewage. And just then, three live monsters come at him. He tries shooting the Farnsworth, but it doesn't work. At first, I thought it was because he was in the sewer, but it has to charge, right? Yes. Doesn't it have to recharge? Yeah. Pete's able to escape the sewer when the car accident victim drops a ladder down the manhole for Pete to climb out of. The guy whose name is Frank Mercer tells Pete that they have to get inside. The monsters hunt at night. So Pete tells him that one of the monsters took Claudia, and he was in the sewers looking for her. Frank doesn't think it's very likely that Pete will ever find her. Meanwhile, two of the monsters come to take Claudia somewhere. They're taking her to their elders. Step off, Shrek. Just because you've got me all straightjacketed doesn't make you the boss of me. So they take her into what looks like a small arena, but I think it's an operating room with the theater above. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I got it like as the arena where, you know, usually it's death to the challenge, one of those. Well, that's exactly what it looked like to me. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. But only because they're in a sanitarium, which is a hospital, I figured it was like an operating room arena. Okay, I got yeah. you now. Right. That's the only reason I thought that, and I could be wrong. They could be somewhere else entirely at this point. <laughs> they did have that padded room, so yeah. Yeah, what you said is exactly what I thought of when I first saw it. That's exactly what yeah. it looks like, yeah. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So back at the drugstore, Artie's alone and still trying to contact Lena. He finally gets through, and Lena's shocked to see him calling on the Farnsworth as a comic character. So earlier, she went outside. Artie, Claudia, and the car had vanished, but there were comic books strewn all over the place. So does she not even wonder what happens? She's Right. Ba- yeah. Right? She's bagging comic books in the scene. So you have to assume that she, at some point, went back outside to pick them all up. So did she think that Artie just delivered and left the comics like that? The only thing I could think that she thought they went back out. But all the comics were thrown all over the ground. So it didn't occur to her that something was wrong? And because she's now bagging them inside the warehouse, she must have gone out to pick them up. You know, that didn't make any sense to me. So Artie tells Lena which comic they're trapped in, and she finds it. She opens it, and I thought she was going to get sucked in because we didn't know that it had to do with the rack at this point. Right. And she sees that they really are trapped in the comic. But why wouldn't she not look further into the pages to see what happens? Or if maybe there was part of the story that that could help him get out? To me, I don't think it went that far. I think it happened as the page turned. I don't know if she would have seen anything else. That's what I was getting, that the story played out. We didn't know what the ending would be, so I'm thinking it was page by page. Because technically they weren't supposed to be in the book anyway. So it would go page by page. Okay, so you're saying that as they did whatever they were doing, the comic book wrote itself? Like, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, what you're saying makes sense, yeah. That's probably right, because I couldn't understand why she wouldn't go forward and see if there was something in there that would help them get out. Okay, that makes sense. So, Artie tells her that she has to reopen the portal without getting sucked in herself. From what Artie knows about what he calls gateway artifacts, they probably only have a certain amount of time before they're trapped for good. And now we're back with Frank and Pete. Frank brings Pete to a warehouse where it looks like he practices up for shooting these monsters. He says it's a war. Old abandoned warehouse out on the docks. Why is it always a warehouse? Frank shows Pete a map of where the monsters are and where they're not anymore. So, I mean, it sounds like what he's saying is he knows where they congregate and this is where they used to congregate, but he killed them all. Pete follows on the map to figure out that Claudia is probably being held in the sanitarium. Speaking of the sanitarium, Claudia is trying to convince the elders that they got there accidentally and mean them no harm. But they think she's there trying to retrieve the weapon, which apparently they had stolen from Frank. So the monster threatens Claudia with some kind of saw, it looked like. Back at the warehouse, Lena is, as she says, all strapped in to try and open the portal. But it doesn't work. (laughs) 
So Lena asks if maybe he's missing something, but he hears monsters approaching before he can answer her and hangs up. The monsters come in to eat cookies, which I thought was strange. Why would there be a full thing of cookies if these monsters have been roaming around all the time? <laughs> maybe they thought that's their snack. <laughs> it just struck me as funny. Yeah, that's their snack. Um, so while the monsters are there eating cookies, Artie hides in the trunk of the car. While there, he finds the sign from the top of the comic book rack and figures that this is what must be missing. So Frank tells Pete about the weapon he had that the ghouls were defenseless against. He tells Pete that the ghouls were able to get it the last time they captured him. He escaped, but he was not able to get the weapon back. Frank has an entire arsenal for fighting the monsters, and when he tells Pete that the guns are the only language that their kind understands, I kind of knew what was going on here. Did you? Yeah. So this weapon, the ghouls are defenseless against its power? Yes. Last time I was captured, they took it. Been fighting to get it back ever since. With what? Oh, hello, Unabomber. Only language their kind understands is violence. I see you speak it fluently. Yeah, at that point, I was like, yeah, okay, this is not really about monsters and men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So back with Claudia. She's somehow able to headbutt one of the monsters, sending the saw flying and cutting open her straitjacket. And she even says, I can't believe that worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess anything's possible in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has the saw. But to prove the point that she's not there to hurt him, she drops it and wins them over pretty quickly. The elder tells her about the stranger who judged them the way they just judged her. And about the cursed weapon that they were not able to destroy that's been killing the monsters. He shows Claudia a lighter, and he says it rips the souls from their bodies for power and then kills them in the process. Now, about this weapon you're so afraid of. We have tried many times and many ways, but we could not destroy this accursed thing. A lighter? That's what this is all about? Fire bad? It is no ordinary fire. These flames rip the soul from one's body with a power you do not understand. It's an artifact. So Claudia realizes that the lighter must be an artifact. They tell Claudia that even though he was different, they originally welcomed Frank, but he began using the lighter on them. The monsters were trying to capture Frank when the three of them saved him from the car accident. So Claudia realizes that the stranger they were talking about is Frank. And Claudia didn't know who they were talking about, but when they said that they interfered, or when Claudia figures out that they interfered with them catching him, she realizes that it was the guy from the accident. So at this point, Pete and Frank are armed and on their way to the sanitarium. It's clobbering time! Pete wants to split up so he can find Claudia. Frank argues that they should stay together, but finally relents and gives Pete a sword, which Pete always wants to have a sword. And every time he gets a sword, he doesn't get to keep it very long. No. But he gives him the sword in case the Tesla doesn't work properly. So you know that means the Tesla is not going to work properly. Mm Mm-hmm. Pete comes upon a monster who tells him to leave while he still can. So these monsters don't just attack everybody. You know, he's given Pete an out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but Pete goes after him with the sword and the monster is able to break the sword pretty quickly and grab Pete. So back at the warehouse, Artie tells Lena that she needs the sign from the rack for the portal to open. But the sign is inside the comic with, with them. Artie comes up with a plan. And I'm going to put a clip here because... It didn't make any sense to me, and I'm not going to try and explain it. Did it make sense to you? No. Okay, because I was going to let you explain it if it made sense to you, but we're going to put a clip here <laughs> so we don't have to try and figure out what he's talking about. 
artificially accelerating the Earth's rotation could supercharge its kinetic energy output. Then all we'd have to do is redirect its flow. And then, yes, yes, this is doable. Have you got a pen? Yeah. You're gonna need half a dozen standing mirrors and jumper cables. Oh, and Da Vinci's perpetual motion machine. Please tell me we already have that. He gives Alina a list of items that they'll need. Meanwhile, Pete is coming too after the monster attack. He's able to shoot the monster, but Claudia stops him from doing anything else and tells him that this is all the doing of Frank. He's the bad guy, not the monsters. While Claudia's talking to Pete, Frank is in the theater. He's somehow gotten the lighter back and is killing the monsters in the room. Pete tries to make him stop, but Frank turns the lighter on Pete. At the warehouse, Lena's outside with the rack and a bunch of mirrors and jumper cables. She connects everything to the comic book, but they have to wait for Claudia and Pete to get back. Back at the sanitarium, Pete is still being soul-sucked. Claudia is able to kick the lighter out of Frank's hand, which releases Pete. One of the monsters picks it up and aims it at Frank. Claudia tries to talk him out of continuing on with the vengeance. I know what you're thinking. The power's mine now. I can do to him what he did to us. Yes, you can. But that doesn't make it right. We have suffered so much because of this thing. That's what artifacts do. They hurt people. This one doesn't have to. Give it to me, and I promise you will never have to fear our kind ever again. So she talks him into letting her bag the artifact, telling him that they'll never have to fear their kind again. She bags it, and the monster tells Frank to run and never come back. Pete's confused by that, because this guy's killed their people, a lot of their people, and why, you know, would he let him go? But the monster says that they have nothing to fear now that the weapon's gone. So Pete and Claudia make it back to the drugstore. Artie gives Lena the go-ahead to start the contraption she made. The portal opens and the rack appears. Artie goes to put the sign on the rack, but Frank shows up and wants the lighter back. As they hide from Frank's gunfire behind the car, Pete gloves up and tells them to get in the car. He throws the bag at Frank, but shoots him as he's distracted with catching the bag. He gets the sign on the rack and jumps in the car. The portal opens and they're transported back to the warehouse. The webisode series ends with Artie reading the end of the comic book and more car commercial. So, taking into consideration that these are webisodes and not high-quality episodes, what did you think? Mm. I thought it was cute. Oh, good. I said she's going to hate this. That's all I can say. No, because I like comic books. I always like comic books. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so, and I was like... They're little episodes and I'm going, and I said, oh, I get it now. They're little segments. Yeah, so I guess originally, I tried to find them on the Sci-Fi website, because I thought I found them before. They probably were posted, like, one, you know, one at a time. I enjoyed it, though. Oh, good, because I'm sitting there saying, oh, my God, she's going to hate this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I like comic books. I thought it was cool, though. You know, you got two elements. You know, one's life and one's not. Oh, good. But these were a lot longer than I thought it would be. When we did the Eureka webisodes, and I don't think you did that episode. I think uh, Doug Gramley did that episode. All of the webisodes together, and there was probably only six or seven, but they only, like, amounted to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But all of these together was about 30 minutes, which is almost a full episode. That's you know? not too bad, though. I didn't think it was bad for 30 minutes. Yeah, I just didn't expect it to be that long. And because I know webisodes are, you know, not quality episodes, I wasn't expecting much. Mm. So my expectations weren't high, but I did like it. 
I thought it was cute. So we still have another webisode to do, and we'll do it at some point. We will get to it. If you're listening specifically for Warehouse 13 content, like I said, there's still another webisode that we'll cover at some point. And we'll always come back with more warehouse-specific content when and if we come across anything. So right now, Kim and I are in between Season 2 and 3 of Friday the 13th, the series. If you like Warehouse 13, I would call Friday the 13th, the series, the original Warehouse 13, wouldn't you? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. It's more horror, I would say. I mean, it's supernatural, too, but... I say supernatural and horror, because basically, you know, I ain't quite not that dead on scary. Well... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything kind of is on a supernatural level, so. Yeah, so you might want to go back and give it a listen. And if you're only here for the warehouse content, then we'll see you again for the next webisode, Grand Designs, at some point. So we'll see you later. See you later. We will be back soon with our next warehouse for a team web episode. See you in the warehouse. Until then, take a jump back and listen to some Friday the 13th, the series episodes that are also available right here on the 13th Warehouse podcast. (laughs) Bye now! Please remember to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse, on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our new theme music, Inspirational Motivation, provided by SkillCell, Pixabay user 229-33514, free for commercial or private use.